Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1704. Today, it's all about performance, Roush performance. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Northville, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Jack Roush. Jack, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, absolutely. All right, we'll have some fun. Kind of a silly question for a guy like you working in a company like yours. You guys are always ready for a fun ride. Before I give you a proper introduction, as if you really need one, because everybody knows about Roush Performance. Tell me one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Jack. That's a good question. Probably that in racing, I'm most known for my road racing that that I've honestly done my whole life, but I also did have a stint in drag racing as well. Kind of like your father. Interesting. Well, road racing, I love road racing, my favorite. I used to race vintage cars years ago. What kind of vehicles did you drive? Uh, just one, uh, Mustangs. Of course. <laughs> Why did I ask? <laughs> yeah. Your company's been associated with Ford Motor Company for so, so long. So, uh, now what era was this? What types, types of Ford Mustangs? For, uh, the road racing stuff, I started in 2006, uh, running in what was called, uh, FR500C, you know, the 2005 body style Mustang. And I ran that in what was called the Grand Am Cup at that time. I had a few different names, but really amazing race series. It's now the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome series, some of the best road racers from all over the world. And one thing I really love about it is the fact that they're running production-based chassis from all these different manufacturers. Kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's... What's so neat about it is, as opposed to a series where all the cars are the same, they're very different. You know, some will have strengths on, you know, the straights. Some will be better through the corners. Some will last longer on their tires. And you have to adjust for all of that and try to, at the end of the race, be the one out front. Absolutely. That's always the key. Well, I've had lots of hundreds of road racers on the show here, so you're in good company. What fun. Let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into your life here. Jack Roush Jr. leads the Roush Performance Marketing Department. Jack, of course, is the son of legendary engineer, businessman, and race team owner Jack Roush Sr. Jack grew up in the family business, living around race cars and a company known for winning performance. Roush Heritage follows 24 national championships and titles, and they continue the legacy of his father, which of quality parts and powerful vehicles built to perform. Recently, Jack launched a virtual racing series through iRacing featuring famous race car drivers and YouTube celebrities as a way to combat the pandemic's restrictions on events and to bring competitive racing to everyone who is faced with these continuing stay-home orders. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Jack, but first a word from our extremely valued sponsors. Give them a listen. We'll be right back. Keep the seatbelts on. We're moving fast today. 
You've heard me talk about Covercraft here on Cars Yeah since I began bringing you inspiring automotive enthusiasts over six years ago. Covercraft is a company I've trusted to protect my vehicles since I was in high school. But did you know they've been in business longer than that? Covercraft was founded in 1965. You don't stay in business for over 55 years without providing your customers with superior quality, innovative solutions, and a massive breadth of selections and categories when it comes to protection. Their custom-fit car covers are just the start. Covercraft offers covers for cars, trucks, ATVs, boats, outdoor furniture, seats, trunk, floors, dashes, masks for the front of your rides, and a whole lot more. And here's something special just for you from me. Use the code ya 120 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code ya 120 that's Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance, that's how I now protect my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Are you insuring your classic vehicles on your regular daily driver auto policy? Then your special vehicles are at risk. Your regular auto insurance carrier won't tell you how much you'll get until after a claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With a agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. If you're driving your collector car less than 5,000 miles a year, do what I did. Call American Collectors Insurance and get your very own agreed value policy tailored to your specific vehicle. If you're like me, you're picky about who works on your special ride. A great policy allows you to choose your repair shop of choice, and that means you'll know the job is done right. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did at American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Jack, we're back. And as we continue on this journey, I'm going to call your life. I would love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires smoking a little bit here on Cars. Yeah, Jack, I know you love to drive, so grab the wheel. So I would say to really be what I think is a true racer, the point in racing is to win. And I think for me and something that has been part of uh, our teams over the years is that you can never stop trying to improve. Even if you win, uh, I can't even count the number of times where uh, we've left the podium uh, on top and been upset that, you know, some things went wrong. You know, I know that sounds crazy and like you should just enjoy the moment more, but to really be on top of your game, you got to constantly just try to get better. Absolutely. Well, let's. This is a great segue, of course, into Roush Performance, the brand your father originally built, and as you're carrying along with your teammates there. So, talk to my listeners about. Let's start with a little bit of the history of the company, and then carry it forward to how you're bringing that idea of constant improvement into not only the Roush Performance parts that you manufacture, the vehicles, and the racing that your company does. You know, it's thinking about the company. It's funny. The older I get, the more clear it is what the DNA of our culture is and what our company is about. It really does go back to my dad. You know, he was a really pretty ingenious little kid. He started his own business 
mowing lawns with his little brother. And during that time, not only did he learn to run his own little business, but he also began working on engines. And those were two passions uh, that carried through his life. Since the company started, and I'm not talking about Roush Performance, but the Roush company, uh, when it started in 1976, my dad had already been a professional drag racer. He's, he'd already had a lot of time building engines, race engines, not just for himself, but mostly for other teams. Racing at that time had only been really about marketing his engines. Through the early phase of the company, you know, it began uh, with engine development and then expanded into all other types of engineering services that were offered to the automotive companies. Eventually, in 1996, the company began its performance division. What was neat about that is that it really tied together the racing heritage that we had with our engineering excellence. Before, you know, the company was known for racing, but all of our other work was really behind the scenes. So really, you know, I view Rush Performance and that beginning of Rush Performance is, you know, just showing and being the result of all the other things that had come before and that's behind the Rush Performance brand. Now, you guys have had a very strong tie with Ford Motor Company. Obviously, we talked about Mustangs and so forth. Where did that whole relationship begin? Interesting thing. In 1964, my dad didn't have his own company yet. He was just, uh, how old was he? Uh, about 22 years old. He was out of college, and he was a quality engineer on the very first Mustang program. Since that time, I think he's just always been really embedded in the culture and people of Ford, you know, whether he was working there when he was young or throughout his racing career, Ford has always played a major part. So let's take it to today. What are all the different things that uh, maybe somebody new, I don't know how anybody could be new to your company if they've been into cars, but if they're new to your company, what are all the different things that you guys offer us automotive enthusiasts? Again, going back to the very beginning, our core is, is powertrain, but we do a lot more than that. Really, you know, there's there's not one single recipe. What we do is with any given vehicle package that we want to, you know, offer an upgrade for, we look at uh, what's going on with uh, the pricing of potential upgrades, what the performance is, the intended usage, and, you know, that changes over time. The market is interested in different things. Uh, cost change or the performance levels are going up, you know, with the stock vehicles and, you know, we adjust for it. You know, it's funny, we're probably most known for producing Mustangs, but, you know, with off-road being so big right now, it's actually a majority of what we do. And I myself have one of our off-road trucks. Uh, they're a lot of fun, you know, insanely fast and, and very capable too. You know, it's just kind of a I guess one way of looking at it is that we try to play on the outer edge of performance, you know, the kind of that cutting edge mm -hmm. uh, the OEs haven't gotten there yet. And, you know, we want to push the limits and that limit is constantly changing and evolving. Oh, absolutely. My next door neighbor a couple of years ago bought a new Ford Raptor and I've never been much of a truck person just because I like smaller sports cars. I don't have never really needed a truck. But he said, hey, you got to drive this thing. And oh, my gosh, <laughs> I was like, really? And he takes it out to his ranch in eastern Washington, and he 
goes over the roads. You know, I mean, crazy stuff and amazing, amazing vehicles. So you're right with so many people doing more things off-road, going out to the wilderness and so forth. I think it's fantastic. And when you think about performance, one of the things that people sometimes worry about is, am I going to do any damage to warranties of my vehicles or should I really touch my vehicle? Aren't they already performing at a peak level? I mean, they're designed to produce by engineers. What are some of the things you say to people that have those kind of thoughts when it comes to, it's okay, you can have some fun and make your car, your truck more performance-minded? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think what's probably on their mind is they don't want to upgrade the car and, you know, hurt the quality, hurt the reliability. And that that's something that we are extremely conscious of. It would be pretty easy just to take a supercharger, throw it on an engine and produce a lot of power. You know, the question is really, you know, how usable is it? Is it going to be drivable and how long is it going to last? Beyond that, you know, if there is an issue, is there a warranty? The way I look at our company, or I would say, you know, our approach is that we don't just do that. We spend a lot of time engineering uh, our packages. We make sure that they're going to last. We offer really good warranty, and we are able to do that where other companies aren't because we do that for the OEs. Absolutely. They're pretty demanding. That's for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about a a challenge that perhaps you faced in your life, Jack. I asked this question more about how you came out of that particular situation in a positive way. And particularly, what was the lesson learned? So take us on a bit of a struggling time for you, perhaps a time when you uh, were kind of set back maybe on your heels a bit. But tell us how you came out of that particular experience in a positive way. So maybe this isn't the best example, but uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, something that happened in 2012. We were at Laguna Seca in September of that year, and it was practice uh, for uh, that same race series that I mentioned earlier. I was driving with Billy Johnson, who's an excellent, excellent driver, by the way. Billy had been going in and out of the pits to tune the car, and about halfway through the session, or the last third, I can't remember exactly, I hopped in the car. Going down pit lane, I noticed that the brake pedal was soft and the crew assured me, oh, there's no issues. You know, it's just got to be some error in the line. Just, you know, don't worry about it. Pop up the brake and you'll be fine. Uh, I got out onto track and I kept testing the pedal and it did it a couple times. You know, it was pretty, pretty weird. A bit unnerving, I would think, on a racetrack. Yeah. So... I took a few turns and I was still not going fully up to speed. I didn't know if I could trust the car or not. And heading into the uphill left turn, I think that's turn five there, I pumped up the brake going into the brake zone and started to brake. And then the brake went to the floor. And uh, I tried to save the car, tried not to hit the wall. And it was just a little bit too much speed and got uh, off into the dirt. And immediately it was in the hard cement wall. Now, this is unusual for a car with fenders, but uh, the impact caught the wheel in just just the worst way and sent a ton of force through the steering wheel. It uh, shattered my left arm oh, no. and flipped the, flipped the car upside down. I don't even know quite how I got out of there, you know, being strapped upside down with one broken arm and yeah. unhooking myself and getting out, but it was kind of a blur. But it was a quick recovery. I had excellent doctors who helped me at U of M here 
uh, I would say probably some of the best doctors in the world for that type of injury. But it was also one month before my youngest child was born as well. Oh so, gosh. you know, <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was really bad timing. But luckily, I've healed up. I've 16 screws and a big plate in my arm now, but it works just fine. And, you know, it was really, you know, a point where I could have stopped racing and I was extremely determined that I was not going to get beat by that. I was going to come back and, you know, nothing was going to take me out like that. Absolutely. And, you know, again, with, with the great doctors and a lot of work in therapy, I was at Daytona the following January. Wow. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. Glad that's all that happened to you. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. Then having a new baby, you had to use your other arm to carry that newborn around for a while, for sure. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, one of the things that you did to counter a huge challenge that we've all faced this year, which has been this pandemic, is you launched a virtual racing series through iRacing, and you had some really famous race car drivers, YouTube celebrities. It was really tremendous what you did. Obviously, a lot safer way to race than what happened to you against that wall that day. Tell us a little bit about this whole thing that you did and why and how it turned out. Oh, absolutely. So iRacing is a simulator. Really, for anyone out there who, do, who isn't familiar with it, it's among the racing community. It's the one of the most, if not the most, esteemed simulators you can use. They go out and uh, laser scan tracks to make them extremely accurate. I've actually used it since 2006 to learn racetracks. You know, as I was getting into my professional racing career, I'd never been to any of those tracks, or at least not on the track itself. I grew up, you know, going to the tracks with my dad, but I really needed some help or some uh, practice ahead of going to the track. So I got into iRacing. You know, I kind of made it a regular practice to study tracks. You know, if it was the first time I was there or, you know, even if I was returning, I'd go in the simulator, you know, freshen up. So I really got all the subtle angles of the track down. And a great example of that was in 2014. I just started racing in uh, the World Challenge at that time. And we had a race coming up at Long Beach, another track I'd never been to. And I was like, okay, you know, this is this is pretty serious. It's not like a normal track where you have runoff. There's no runoff. And off track means going into a cement wall. So I spent a lot of time in there uh, in the simulator and ended up getting the pole for the race. And nice. I don't think that would have been possible uh, without the simulator. So fast forward uh, to this year, the pandemic hit us. And, you know, NASCAR did their iRacing events. Uh, I, you know, I thought they were great. You know, a lot of fun to watch. And in early April, we had an internal discussion. And we just, it occurred to us, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't we have our own iRacing league? You know, we can really make this kind of a big deal, you know, entertain people, show some goodwill, you know, have some fun racing, you know, get some practice. And we dived in, you know, it was kind of intense because for me, I'd never really done iRacing a ton. It was always limited to practicing. I'd never done a race in there. Uh, my equipment was not great by any means. I, I had one of those steering wheels that you'd hold between your legs because I didn't have the whole seat <laughs> or anything. Yeah. yeah, so we spun the series up and invited, you know, world-class road racers, you know, from my background, people who I've, I'd known, like Andy Lally, uh, Billy Johnson, uh, Corey Fergus, Austin Sindrick, uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, some of those guys have used iRacing a lot. Some of them haven't. I would say at that point, and even still now, I'm 
I'm still kind of a beginner because I, I just don't race a ton in there and I haven't been racing, uh, for more than this year. Mm-hmm. My first race was, <laughs> was in April. Uh, we had an all-star race and it became very clear in that race who, who'd gotten a lot of practice in iRacing and who didn't. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for the guys who, who've mastered that, uh, simulator. I'm still working to get better at it. Uh, I've definitely made major upgrades to my equipment, which helps quite a bit. Yeah, but it, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's, uh, different than real racing, but at the same time, it, it requires a lot of skill, a lot of practice, and a lot of hard work. Well, it's tremendous turning some uh, bad, bad lemons that we've had here this year into lemonade for sure. Well, let's take a short break. We're going to thank our supporting sponsors. And when we come back, I'm going to dive into this personal passion you have for cars. Uh, basically, you were born with motor oil in your veins. So I have a feeling that uh, it was something that you were always destined to do. Sit tight. Keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans, racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, founded Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. These are four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends, titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Apex. It's a rich and complex blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. This blend is a showcase of perfection and hits the Apex with its full-bodied smooth finish. An added very cool option is the label. It's a multi-dimensional rumble strip Apex, reminiscent of Turn 4 at Laguna Seca. The Racing Series is a spectacular gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the Racing Series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code CARSYEAH. Cheers! Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah! headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. That's www.americascarmuseum.org carmuseum.org 
All right, Jack, we are back. Uh, tell me the story that instigated your passion for cars. Now, growing up with a father like yours, you were almost predestined to be involved in it. But, you know, sometimes people want to go a different direction. But was there a pivotal moment in your life when you decided, you know what, like my dad, I'm going to be doing this car thing for the rest of my life? You know, that's that's a great question. And you may have a different opinion on it. Uh, I think car people are born with it. I can't really recall a pivotal moment. You know, there were big ones, but I think it's the culmination of uh, just the way I was brought up and, you know, even natural things that people are interested in. Uh, for me, you know, even as a very young child, my dad would take us uh, to the drag races he was doing. You know, it was just part of what our family did. Right. And uh, when I was six years old, my dad got me started go-kart racing and, you know, that was a really big deal. I, you know, I think it's because of that time racing that, you know, I've become the road racer that I am. You know, I, I do feel like I've been wired for it. And now I'm actually back in go-karts and my boys are too. And cool. uh, we do that over the summers. All right. The next generation. Yep. Well, let's talk about the first really special car, or in your case, this could be the first really special race car you climbed into and said, man, I've always wanted this. Here I am. Let's go. So what kind of vehicle was that? And tell us about a, maybe a great memory you have about that ride. There is a car. Uh, it didn't quite happen in that order that I appreciated it. Uh, it was an FR500C. We still have it in our museum. And running those cars uh, is amazing. They're definitely quite different than the current GT4 cars, less downforce. Uh, I'd have to see where they are on top end. I think they may even be a little faster top end, uh, but you know, they really required a lot of finesse uh, to get them to work. You know, the more downforce you have, the modern cars, it, there's still a lot of skill needed to drive them, but with the old cars, if you don't know what you're doing, you can really get sideways and crash very easily. A lot of power. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe it was March 2011 at Homestead Raceway. We were running our race team. I was driving with Billy Johnson. Uh, the car was a just a flat red FR500C. We always had our car, you know, like kind of a, a regular street car color and paint job just to really try to show... Uh, that it was a street car, you know, it wasn't unique and better represented. And uh, at Homestead Raceway, we got the pole. And in post-qualifying inspection, the race series decided they didn't like something about our splitter. Uh, they thought it gave us an unfair advantage, and they bumped us back to the back of the field. Uh-oh. And so the race began, and within, it had to be like 25 or 30 minutes I was back up at the front of the field and led the remainder of my stint. Uh, Billy Johnson got in the car. You know, I think he got shuffled back a little bit in the pit stops and again, uh, worked his way to the front of the field and we won the race. Cool. It, it just turns out that that ended up being the 400th Roush win, which is something, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. It's definitely the highlight, if not you know, one of the greatest highlights of my career. No doubt. Well, that car originally, those were developed, I think it was back in 1999, Dan Davis uh, with the SVT Special Vehicles Team, Ford Motor Company. Isn't that where that whole concept started? Uh, that line of cars, I would say, 
are, you know, that line of race cars, the specific model probably came out, uh, 2004, mm-hmm. but the Fox bodies. Yeah. Back in I, the day. That sounds, yeah, that does sound right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here. And if you woke up tomorrow, Jack, and you were a vehicle, now this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive you and your life as a vehicle. What would Jack Roush be and why? I, I figure we got to start with a Mustang, but maybe not. <laughs> right. maybe no, not. I, <laughs> I think it would definitely be a Mustang. It's Mustangs have, you know, just like with my dad, it's always, they've always had a really special meaning for me. That's one thing that I love about the road racing that I do is that, you know, we take a Mustang and we go up against the best the world can throw at it. And it's a great car. Uh, it's a great company uh, that we're representing out there. And, you know, we we take a lot of pride in that. Now, if we had to narrow it down, what era? Like, what maybe year? Maybe it's the year you were born. A lot of people choose that. Uh, and would it be a street car, performance car, modified car, race car? Um, I would say a race car. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd be good with an FR500C. Okay. Those were uh, <laughs> yeah, me kind too. of a golden time. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. No kidding. All right. Well, I'll accept that. All right, Jack, we're entering what I call the last lap. You've been here many times. White flags out, the checkered's in the distance. Time to put your foot into it. I'm going to fire off some questions. It's a bit of a lightning round. Quick answers. And have you give me some quick blips of that FR500C race car. Uh, what's one of your personal habits, Jack, that you think has contributed to your many successes, both behind Behind the desk and in the race car. Uh that's that's a good question. Hmm. I might need a little bit of time to think <laughs> about that. It's there's definitely a lot of crossover. It's funny. Another one of my passions is music. Really? And I play okay. piano, oh, and nice. that's that's one of the things that made you know my recovery from my broken arm so important to me uh, was to be able to get my playing back. Right. And I do think you know it's funny. I started playing piano and racing right about the same time, right around the same age. And I think that both of them helped me and the other one in that, you know, like with playing piano, you have to be, uh, have a high level of discipline and practice and ability to think quickly and adjust what you're doing. You know, it's not just uh, activity where you're doing something abstract, you're doing it in real time. And I think that both of those, uh, skills have helped support each other. Oh, sure. Discipline, practice, focus. Absolutely. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would you like to spend a little evening with? You know, I grew up, like I said earlier, uh, traveling with my dad to the races. At the time, you know, I never really imagined that I'd be racing, you know, like they were, you know, on the other side of the wall. And if there's an opportunity, I think it would be really neat to be able to, you know, share some experiences with uh, some of my dad's great drivers that he's had over the years, you know, with my dad and uh, just kind of reflect on that. That would be pretty awesome. Is there one in particular that maybe stands out just off the top of your head for today? We'll say just for this evening. Tomorrow you can have dinner with someone else. (laughs) Really, I, I appreciate all of them. You know, we've had amazing talent. Uh, driving for our family. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Martin is one driver that I've had a ton of respect for. And, you know, I am I almost sheepishly uh, give another name because, you know, I have so much respect for Mark. And I only 
wouldn't choose him because uh, because his style of racing is a bit different than mine. But Scott Pruitt was probably one of the one of the drivers that inspired me most growing up. You know, just a really cool guy, uh, amazingly talented. And as my dad put it, you know, it really wasn't just about the talent, even though he had it. It was about how hard he worked. And by the way, that was also something that he's said very much about Mark. You know, to really be successful in racing, you have to work really hard and never give up and never stop improving. Absolutely. Well, Scott's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, and of course, he's never given up. Uh, while he doesn't do a whole lot of driving anymore, but he still does some, of course, now he's got his own vineyard. So as if he's uh, he's not really sitting back on the porch and looking back at the history, he's moving forward like every race car driver and uh, creating some very delicious wine for sure. Now, when it comes to automotive advice, and let's kind of make this directed towards what you guys do. When it comes to advice on performance and making your car more of a performance vehicle what's the best advice you would offer somebody when they're thinking of going down that road there's a lot to think about you know think about how you want to enjoy your car you know if you want to build a track car that's going to be a completely different discussion than you know adding some more power for your vehicle and having something that's more fun to drive that you can get around traffic more easily with and things like that i would really advise people to, especially if it's upgrading uh, for the street, is to really think about not just the the claims that the company is giving you, uh, what they say they can do, but really look at how credible they are. Like I said, you know, it's really easy to advertise a high level of horsepower. I would be careful, though, in trusting just any company. Uh, people can say whatever they want about what their things do. But there's different ways of calculating it, some of which are not, I would say, the most honest. And then also think about, you know, do you really want to go with 1,000, 1,200 horsepower for a streetcar? Probably not. <laughs> no, uh, probably the, not. The of, you know, there's a certain level that's, you know, safe, that's not going to break other things in your system. You know, how much down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Right. And that's, again, where uh, we've really tried to balance all of those things and put together packages that really make sense for people. Uh, we think, you know, we try to do all that works in, you know, a solution where they don't have to upgrade their driveline, as an example, mm -hmm. or, you know, other things. Now, when it comes to resources, there are so many these days. Uh, what's a great go-to for you? And I'm going to start it off here with, I think, a great resource. If you want to learn more about heritage of Roush, go to roushperformance.com and there's a heritage uh, button you can click there where you can learn more about the company's history, which is fascinating. I learned some things I didn't know about it and I thought I knew a lot about you guys. Uh, so I'll start with that. I'll put a button there on Jack's show notes page, but is there another go-to you find yourself going to? This could be a website, a supplier, a person, an app. Oh, absolutely. Uh, actually, I can think of two or I would give the advice for two. One is the Rush Performance Facebook page. Uh, that's a great resource. We have uh, a lot of content coming out there. And by the way, we're going to be increasing the intensity of that content, actually. Great. Uh, another is our newsletter. If you go to RushPerformance.com, click on the newsletter link at the top of the page and sign up for that. And you'll find out the latest from Rush Performance and uh, uh, get uh, you know, the really great updates we have coming out. I'll put links to all those on Jack Shonen's page so you can find them. I would encourage you to follow these guys. Now, how about a book, Jack? Is there a book you've read this year that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I did get the chance to reread uh, one of the classics for me. Uh, great book. 
Uh, it's called Tune to Win. Yep. And it's, uh, oh gosh, who's the name of the author? It's, it's actually a very old book, but a uh, fantastic book on the basics of uh, automotive tuning, especially in racing applications. And it's not so technical that it's difficult to read or anything. I have a few of the, those books, but uh, those can put you to sleep pretty easy. Yeah, well, that book's by Carol Smith. Yes. The great Carol Smith, of course. Yeah, I've got that book on my shelf as well. Tune to Win, I believe the subtitle is something like The Art and Science of of Race Car Development, uh, Tuning, something like that. But at any rate, uh, I'll make sure I put a link to that book on the show notes page that you'll find on the Cars Hair website for Jack Roush. R-O-U-S-H, of course, is how you spell Roush. Tune to Win, yeah, great book. All right, Jack, we're up to the checkered flag here. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a car today. Any car you'd like. This is going to be something kind of fun for the weekends. A collectible car is what I like to call it. But there's some rules to this game that my listeners know that might make this a challenge for you. Maybe not. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with or fund racing or do whatever you want. You've got to keep it. So that means it's got to tick a lot of the boxes. But I want you to enjoy it and drive it. So it needs to be somewhat of a multi-use collector car perhaps for you. What am I going to buy a Jack Roush today? This is going to be strange, but <laughs> okay. uh, not, not many people can probably do this, but it'll be our special edition, the Jack Rush edition Mustang. You know, it's a special edition we did in honor of my dad, the most horsepower we've ever offered at 775. It also comes with optional racing slick tires that give it unbelievable zero to 60 lateral G and quarter mile times. And I could say something like a Ford GT, but the thing about those is that, you know, you almost feel guilty uh, being rough on them, where one thing I love about Mustangs is they're not cheap, but you can thrash them and not feel guilty about it. (laughs) The words of a race car driver. You know, uh, that's pretty cool. Obviously, the heritage and lineage of your father, I think, is pretty darn cool. And uh, that's something that you just came out with in 2020, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, this beautiful car. I saw some pictures. Now, the ones I saw were kind of a deep, rich, burgundy, reddish color. Are they all in that color, or can you special order different color options? Well, you can get any color uh, that you want as long as is is that red color. <laughs> you guys are kind of going back to Mr. Henry Ford, aren't you? Being a little ornery with us buyers here. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. You know, I think it's pretty cool in a special edition like that. Uh, definitely something to look forward to. You know, I had a good friend who called me this week. I've known him for decades. His name's Pete. And he's ready to buy a special car in his life. And he wants a Mustang. And we had quite a long conversation about what he should get. He thought maybe he wanted that classic 68 bullet type Mustang. And then as I spoke to him more, I said, you know, you might want to consider something newer. He's not really a vintage car guy. And I think he might be disappointed uh, with an older car like that. And we started talking about, I think I just found the car he needs. Uh, Yeah, I think I'm going to send Pete an email here. Uh, Of course, he'd get himself in trouble up here where it's wet a lot with that kind of horsepower. But I always say the throttle goes both ways. Uh, That would be cool. Well, Jack, love to park one of those in your garage. I'm surprised you don't already have one. Maybe you do, but I think you're going to have one anyway. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better, and I want to thank you for spending a little time with us today and sharing the history and the incredible lineage of Roush Performance with us. Before I let you go, though, would you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance but if you rip off and i say rip off in a very serious way into the sunset in that special edition jack roush 
Mustang. Just if you do uh, take your car on the track, you know, don't feel pressure to go faster uh, than you need. I know we've talked a lot about racing here, but something I always mention to people in track events is, you know, stay within your limit, enjoy it, be safe, and uh, uh, drive hard. Definitely. I've done a lot of track time with clubs and so forth and race vintage cars a while. And one thing you learn is don't drive the guy passing or in front of you's race. Uh, drive your own. Uh, and you're not really racing in those cases anyway, because otherwise when he goes in the wall, you're going to follow him. Uh, so yeah, don't, right. don't drive over your head. That's for sure. I'll make sure to put links to right. uh, Jack's uh, on Jack Shono's page here to Roush, R-O-U-S-H, performance.com. Check them out. You're going to love what you see. Check out that special edition car that I'm going to be parking in Jack's garage, because that thing is killer. What do you call that color? It is beautiful. Uh, it is rapid red. Well, that makes sense. Okay, somebody was thinking when they named that. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Well, again, listeners, you can find everything on Jack Arousha show notes page of the Cars Out website. Check him out there. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Noah Thanos at Con Media. They are so great. All the people at Con bring me some tremendously inspiring automotive enthusiasts here on Cars. Yeah, thank you to Con Media. Jack, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners. Until you and I talk again, my friend. I'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!